0: Hello everyone, this is Tom Uren and I'm here with the Grok for another Between Two Nerds discussion. G'day Gruk, how are you?
1: I'm all good, Tom. Looking forward to today's discussion.
0: <laughs> so today's episode is brought to you by Nucleus Security who make a vulnerability management platform that helps you manage vulnerabilities all across your enterprise. So today I sent you a small excerpt from a Center for Strategic and International Studies report, a CSIS report. The report broadly deals with CISA, so the US Cybersecurity Agency, and talks about what CISA needs to do and how it needs to grow and evolve in the future and, and, and you know what the rest of the US government and lawmakers need to do as well. And so there's a whole lot of recommendations there. And the, the way that it's been reported is that CISA can't succeed with just money alone. And that there needs mm-hmm. to be a whole lot of other stuff done. And yeah,
1: yeah that, I that mean, all seems fair correct. Enough. That's, yeah correct. I, yeah. I certainly now, don't have a problem with that.
0: Yeah. Now, there were a couple of paragraphs very early on that kind of leapt out at me as a mischaracterization, I thought, of what the problem is. And so mm-hmm. I'll I'll kick off by just reading one. I'm paragraph. going to
1: OK, I'm going to mute myself so that I can yell and scream <laughs> as you so go through
0: here, here I am quoting military strategy has become fused with cybersecurity as states use cyberspace, not just to target armed forces, but to hold civilian populations hostage. This digital hostage-taking renews the cruel logic of counter-value targeting and threatens to punish civilian infrastructure as a way of limiting an adversary's military options, i.e. deterrence by punishment. Every rail line, airport or seaport disabled has the potential to delay troop mobilisation and create critical supply disruptions that risk public panic. Cyber tools can calibrate the pain, creating a risk strategy in which each vulnerability exploited becomes a signal and pressure for the target to back down or face worse consequences during a crisis. Elected officials in a democracy cannot afford to ignore their citizens, resulting in either capitulation or dangerous escalation spirals. So my immediate first take with that is that when people are in a crisis, they don't just roll over. And and demand that that people stop. Like, you just look at Ukraine, for example. The people there didn't say, oh, we'd better give in to the Russian government. They're bigger.
1: Yeah. Zelensky was going to lose the next election because he was not widely liked. And then Russia invaded. And now he could probably run for dictator for life and get, you know, 80% of the vote on that platform. And this is the, the flawed logic of strategic bombing if you can punish the civilians then they will force the government to change their behavior and that's not how it works if you punish the civilians they look to their government to protect them and retaliate right they don't go we better change our government so that we don't get hit by the enemy again that's just that's not how people work psychologically that's just not what happens Instead, you go, we better bond up against this common adversary. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, the whole point of this part of the document is to say we need to do something. And I 100% agree. The U.S. does need to improve its Mm cybersecurity. But I think this kind of description doesn't get what I think the problem is right.
1: Yes, I completely agree with you that they're outlining a threat that doesn't really exist and a, a set of consequences that are not real even though they're correct, that there is a threat that does exist.
0: And and is worth doing something about. Right. So I think it's a tremendous mistake for a government to think that hacking critical infrastructure is holding anyone's government at ransom. Mm -hmm. It causes a disruption. Most of the time, that's fairly short-lived. And I think it's more likely to just piss people off and make them angry. And now, I guess like the paragraph does talk about a dangerous escalation spiral, I think that's much more likely than capitulation.
1: I think that that's absolutely the case. Anyone who believes that capitulation will happen is deluded. So, for example, there's there's some preceding paragraphs here. They're trying to illustrate their point with this theoretical example, and I think that it does the opposite of what it's supposed to do. So they propose that, let's see... If the compromise of the Wind software update had not been detected, what could Russia have done to deter U.S. support to Ukraine? And I would like to explore that because I think the answer is absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so they sort of speculate you could have used backdoors. Like SolarWinds had quite a lot of potential access. Mostly they didn't use it. They cite here 18,000 federal and private sector networks, and they talk about corrupt data, even shutdown systems. Commerce officials could have received false emails to temporarily distort financial markets. The theft of encrypted keys at the Department of Treasury could have caused a loss of confidence in the entire US federal tax system, the Department of Energy's Nuclear Security Administration. (laughs)
1: Sorry, just the, the cetera, idea that, like, confidence in the U.S. tax system is what's keeping the U.S. going right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the bedrock of the, uh, the whole democratic institution is uh, faith in the IRS.
0: So we actually had a, I think it was a relatively underreported problem where a huge amount of the Australian tax officers' systems got wiped just by accident. <laughs> <laughs> that was like entirely unremarked <laughs> no one no one cared like no, the one,
1: no one cared yeah
0: <laughs> you know australia was not wobbling on its knees um
1: yeah no I, I remember that was in uh 2021 when australia sort of blacked out for six months it, that was when the <laughs> yeah, full-on mad max you know the the tax office suffered a huge data loss and uh It was just literally uh, riots and people fighting for gasoline in the outback. And,
0: and like, you know, the government figures that stuff out eventually. (laughs) And and, and I think if that situation happened and it was not known that you're under attack, everyone's annoyed at the federal government. As soon as you know that you're under some form of attack, everyone's riled up about... Right. Right. about an outsider. You unite.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think that's the key thing. Is like, If something happens that disrupts the US government, people are not going to say, we should surrender. They're going to say, the US government sucks. They can't even keep this going. But then if it's revealed that they suffered this disruption because they were attacked by Russia, for example, that's not going to cause capitulation.
0: <laughs> I mean, right? especially considering the, the- U.S. sort of self-conception <laughs> as, you know, the superpower that <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah like, we're going to roll man. over
0: because we can't collect tax. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Uh, we're going to roll over because people are not sure they can trust that we can collect tax. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's very tenuous. And so I think that they misconstrue the power and the utility of cyber as a force of coercion or whatever but they're going about like there could have been like 18,000 compromises and they could have caused severe disruption. Well, Klopp ransomware, when they did their, their move it hack, they've infected, you know, thousands of people, including government agencies. And they have done disruption attacks, right? Like the ransomware is not a, uh, I mean, it's disruptive, we should say. And yet the US has not surrendered to Klopp, right? Like it's Well, it hasn't even talked about it. I
0: I was thinking of the like the most effective sort of coercion so far seems to be ransomware, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe 30%, maybe 60% of the time get someone to pay you money. But I don't think I've ever heard of an example where a ransomware organization has got an organization to
1: shut down, for example. Or change market? or Well, uh, what I was thinking
0: of is step away from their vital interests. (laughs) Like, you're not going to get the Red Cross to, you're not going to deploy ransomware on the Red Cross and get them to stop being a humanitarian organization. And you're you're not going to ransomware the US government and them to stop saying, well, we've got vital interests that we need to protect. Okay, we'll stop.
1: But, you know. Not, not if it's going to interfere with the faith that people have in our tax collection. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, can, I can see what they're trying to do is they're trying to create the idea of these sort of targeted specific special attacks leveraging each compromise to its maximum and these scalpel hacks of like precisely coordinated Rube Goldberg machine. Right. You know, like if this does that and then the the inertia of this thing will move that and blah, blah. like that stuff, even if it does work, it doesn't have the real world effect that you intend because people go like, Oh no, my email's out. I guess I'll just have to, you know, send a text message. I guess. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just think organizations are much more resilient than people give them credit for. Now Mm -hmm. the, question I was going to ask is, if you think they could disrupt a number of organisations all at once, my gut feeling is that that buys you days of confusion, not weeks, not months.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say hours to days, you know, depending.
0: And that's not nothing. That's That's time to do something with.
1: Right. And, you know, here we get into, I think, the crux of it, which is that as a strategic capability. If you have a plan that can leverage at best a 48, at median a 24, or at worst a 12 hour disruption with the enemy's ability to mobilize their troops, right? If you can do something in that time period and it's actually useful, it's worth considering as an option, right? It might be strategically the right thing to do. So, for example, Vault Typhoon is one of the things they bring up. And they talk about how China might be looking for ways to delay the U.S. military response to an invasion of Taiwan. And that's, that's the sort of thing where it could make sense if your belief is that delaying U.S. military response by 24 hours will be sufficient for you to achieve your objectives to a point that the U.S. can no longer interfere. Yeah, or it gives it, you
0: an, enough of a head start yeah. or something like that, yeah.
1: Right then yeah, it might be worth doing. I mean, I think
0: it's worth doing, like if it gives you some advantage, it's worth doing. And if you've got a plan where it's a winning advantage, then yes, it's definitely worth doing. And I think that's the kind of thing I could see in a paper like this as a reason for doing something, Right. that it could potentially give an adversary a winning advantage because there's a very short time to victory.
1: Right. China has been looking at the Russo-Ukraine war and learning lessons and they're not necessarily the lessons that we would want them to learn. So we might want them to look at it and go, okay, invading a neighbor is just really bad for your economy and your standing in the world, and so we should not do that. But it seems more that they've learned, if you can actually achieve your objectives in three days, if you can present this fate accompli, then you do win. Right. And so I think the Chinese perception is that if they can actually take Taiwan in a weekend, essentially, then they will win. And that's, that's a scenario in which being able to delay the U.S. response by any amount of time greatly aids your, your own military objectives.
0: Yeah, yeah. If, if you think it's a three-day war and you think a cyber operation could get you 12 hours, that seems like a pretty significant advantage. <laughs> uh, and so I think that paragraph mostly makes sense, except right. for w- within the context of what else they're saying, it, it, it actually doesn't make sense.
1: <laughs> right. I think th- the theory that they're putting forward is that cyber can be used by an adversary against the US to allow that adversary to achieve a strategic advantage. Therefore, we should improve our cybersecurity to deny them the ability to do this. I think, broadly speaking, that is absolutely correct.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm not sure it's a strategic advantage or a tactical advantage in that the, what I was thinking is that, so we'll, we'll go back to Vault Typhoon, mm-hmm. a potential conflict near or around Taiwan, disruption of critical infrastructure could interrupt a US military response and slow it down or delay it. And to me, that seems like a, a tactical decision, right? And it, like the consequences I, may be yeah. strategic, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs>
1: right. Taiwan
0: uh, is now in PRC hands, but the actual implementation of cyber operations is ha- a, a tactical choice and it, and it assists yeah. what else you're doing. It's, it-
1: yeah, so I, I think it's, it's kind of like if you decide that you're going to have to fight the bully, right? And so your, your plan for that is you're going to slap him in the face, To distract him and then use your fight-ending move of some sort immediately afterwards. And so if you go up to the bully and slap him in the face, and if your fight-ending move doesn't work, you have seriously screwed up. (laughs) Like, you're just going to make him angry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So one of the other sentences that leapt out of me, just a bit further down, is that even... Mm -hmm. And here it is. Even if states like Russia struggled to integrate cyber operations with its military operations... In 2022, one should not assume the risk is gone. Now, I've got very <laughs> mixed feelings about that, so I'll I'll lay it out yeah, first, please. and then you can you can rebut me. Um, <laughs> I think that at the very beginning of the war, I thought that that integration, particularly the attempt to disrupt Firesat, and mm-hmm. I think it also tried to disrupt a telco, and it was also launching a whole lot of wipers in the days leading up to the actual ground invasion that Mm -hmm. was actually pretty good like that to me made sense subsequent to that there was this long period where it seemed kind of duplicative Mm -hmm. the the targeting was just duplicating what they were trying to do with conventional weapons so launching things at the same time and that didn't seem to me to be very effective and you can have an argument about i think what is what does integration look like i think Effective integration would be trying to do something that's complementary. Yes. And now it seems they've reached, is it a third phase? There's probably many more phases, but now they are seeming to do complementary work. Is that your view or do you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I fundamentally disagree with their assessment. And I think you're absolutely right that the initial attack was uh, very tightly coordinated with cyber. There was a real military integration there with military operations and cyber operations. And then they sort of hadn't planned what to do for the rest of the war because they didn't plan to have a rest of the war. Right, yeah. And so there's a sort of whole lot of not really having a strategic direction to pursue because they just hadn't even thought about it.
0: They didn't have the um, concept of operations, I think, is what we'd, we'd call it.
1: Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So so they didn't have the con-op, the concept of operations to do these sort of long-term strategic cyber alongside military operations. So you saw a lot of other things happening. Uh, One of them was that during that initial phase, they had basically burned their entire arsenal and all of their access. So they spent months just recovering access at other places, right, and developing new infrastructure and new tooling. Then when the counter-value campaign began in October, they switched over to complementing that, but it wasn't actually complementary. It was weakly duplicative, and it, it had very little impact. So exactly as you said. But since then, they have adapted a huge amount. So in the last half of 2022 compared to the first half of 2023, they've now doubled the number of attacks per week. Their cyber units have been expanded. They're significantly larger than they used to be. And they're now doing much more directly involved military-type operations. So, for example, the long-range missile and drone attacks, the battle damage assessment is being done by cyber rather than by a plane flyover or by satellite.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the other examples I can think of where it seems quite complementary is trying to get into Ukraine's battlefield digital comms. Yes, yeah,
1: right. They went. They went after the Delta system, which is yeah, how... that's right. That's what it's
0: called. Uh, and then the other one, there was a recent report about targeting of Ukrainian telcos and regular espionage combined with wiping operations. So that sort of makes sense as well.
1: Yeah. So look, I th- I think it's fair to say that Russia struggled. But they were struggling overall. They didn't plan on having this longer war. And so they weren't really set up for doing that cyber-wise. But they have adapted, they've learned, and now they absolutely are. I think it would be incorrect to say that Russian cyber is not integrated with Russian military operations.
0: Yeah. So I guess to sum up, we have many quibbles with (laughs) Many large quibbles With the way that part of the document Is framed I kind of think that Enemies and adversaries Will use cyber operations To try and get some sort of advantage That they'll use against you And that's the reason That Mm -hmm. we need to improve But it's not because They're going to convince democratic societies to give up because <laughs> you can't get your Netflix or the power goes out I think those will be short term effects that will be counterproductive yes and uh, you know people used to talk about a cyber Pearl Harbor and you know what happened after Pearl Harbor the US <laughs> got into the war and eventually won <laughs>
1: right. they, they, so maybe this trashed... is the
0: cyber Pearl Harbor
1: <laughs> yeah they literally dropped nuclear bombs on the people that Pearl Harbored them yeah thanks a lot Greg Thanks a lot, Tom.